little, little overwhelming, but it's a privilege uh, nevertheless to be here. Uh, let me pray. O oh Lord, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my Amen. So I'm wearing a South Carolina sweatshirt. It's cold outside. I'm going to be heading south in May. Um, that's going to be a big change. But uh, it's one, South Carolina doesn't go with Clemson. You know, Clemson and South Carolina don't mix same state. Don't understand why. But uh, if you're a South Carolina fan, and my family is all South Carolina fans, um, Clemson is the enemy. Uh, Clemson, and they're the enemy regardless of who they play, which is amazing to me. But nevertheless, that's just one of the things. South Carolina is warmer than you are. <laughs> South Carolina is warmer than you are. So today we're talking about being just and upright. Being just and upright. Titus 1, 7 and 8 says, For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond, of, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, and committed. Quite a, quite a list of things that you're supposed to be if you or a follower of Christ, an overseer. But I want to talk a little bit about being just and upright. You know, being just and upright has a little greater appeal to it than just or being sensible or what. I mean, we can relate to being just and upright, can we not? Here are some of the things, some of the characteristics of somebody who is just and upright. Are there others? that you see that are not on this list? Other characteristics of somebody who's just and upright? Don't sit in stunned silence. Anything? Anything that comes to your mind? So who is just and upright? Who is just and upright in your own mind? Who comes to mind when you think of somebody who's just an upright? You know, I have a couple in mind. I'll share them toward the end of my presentation who I think is being just an upright. Um, my wife, watches television. Three o'clock, gun, gun smoke comes on. 20 years, gun smoke has been on the TV, James Arness plays Matt Dillon. He's got a good, good supporting cast. He's an example of somebody who's upright and just, is he not? I mean, he's a follower of what's right. U.S. Marshal, he's pretty much unswayed by those who around him. He's law-abiding. And he's tough. He's rough. I want somebody who's just and upright to be that. You know, what comes to my mind is somebody like Matt Dillon, maybe Joshua Chamberlain, if you know him from the Civil War times. Um, but 
can you be just and upright and not be a follower of Christ? Now, that's, that's a rhetorical question, something you, for you to think about. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly um, if you can be a follower of Jesus Christ and be just and upright or not just and upright and be a follower of Christ. But I know that the Apostle Paul, in being just and upright, talked about just in two basic ways. And I want to spend some time talking about the two basic ways. First, to become just describes what happens when we are saved. And I want us to think about that. Um, I'll have some words to say about that. Second, to be just describes the way we should be after we are saved. You know, being saved is one thing. How we act after we're saved is another. And uh, I want to spend a few minutes on salvation and what should follow in the way we lead just lives. It's interesting, the same word is used twice. First describes what happens when we are saved, and second, to be just describes the way we should behave after we are saved. Scriptures that I'll be using today, Titus 1, 7 and 8, that's a good one. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, well known. But I want us to focus on, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And then Romans 1, 16 through 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the just shall live by faith. Now as a reminder, and it's good to be reminded as men, is it not? You know, we, we don't normally get it the first time. Sometimes we get it the second time, but the third or fourth time, we have a shot. We have a shot. Titus 1.7, in the compilation of the measures of a Christian man, an overseer. An overseer. In my view, these measures, the ones we've been going through for the last 15 weeks, are not independent descriptions, but flow over into one another. For example, a just man most likely loves what is good. Most likely he's sensible. Most likely he's not pugnacious, etc., etc. Yet Paul is describing first and foremost that he is a follower of Christ. I don't know if you thought about that. You kind of take that for granted that Paul writes in Timothy and Titus about qualities and measures of a man, and you forget the fact that he's talking to Christians. He's talking to those who follow Christ, who know Christ as their Savior, and Gene gets this and reminds us that first an overseer needs to be saved. And I want to talk a little bit about being saved and what it's like to be saved and what it's like not to be saved. And Gene Getz talks about four guys who think they're saved, but they're really not. So let me go through them. 
A man is not saved by works. A man is not saved by works. You know, a couple Sundays ago, Norm Geisler spoke, and he, we had the privilege as elders of having supper with him the night before, and I sat with him, and he's a deep guy. You know, he's, he's a little intimidating in terms of his intellectual abilities. But he wrote a book. He said, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. It's a deep book. It's one that I'm about halfway through, and it's taken me almost a better part of a month to get halfway through it. It's about Big Bang Theory, intelligent design, and things like that. And it's a little bit overwhelming, but he has a story in there of a man who he was talking to who he knew was an atheist. He knew he was not a believer in God. And it got to be in a conversation. The man said, well, I'm a Catholic. I'm a good Catholic. This is with apologies to Catholics. Um, and Norm Geisler said, how can you be a Catholic and an atheist? He said, oh, it's easy. To be a good Catholic, you don't need to believe in God. You just need to believe in the rules and follow them. I say, whoa, that's not salvation. That's not what you need to be saved. And yet it's something, is it not, that we believe in. We believe in works, sometimes to the exclusion of faith in Christ. A person who is saved by faith is not saved by works nor a mixture of faith and works. You know, I think of the early Christians, of the Gentiles who came to faith in Christ and the Jews who had come to faith in Christ were not as accepting of us because they were not like the Jews. Listen, what you need to do, they said, is you need to believe in Christ, but you need to be circumcised. You need to follow what we, the Jews, have long since known was the right way to go. And that's not being saved either. It's, again, being saved through faith. A person who is saved by faith and kept and saved by works. Now we're getting home here. Um, now we're at a point where some believe that you can be saved, but if you don't follow it up with works, you can lose your salvation. How many believe that you can lose your salvation? Great. You can't. What God gives, he doesn't take away. What God gives, he doesn't take away. But yet there are those who believe that if you don't proclaim Christ as your Savior and follow it up with works, you can lose your faith. You can lose your salvation. How about those who proclaim to have had a spiritual experience come to Christ and never demonstrate in their life works? That's dangerous. That's dangerous. That's, that's one that um, troubles me greatly when I talk to guys about um, continuous sin in their lives. Do you know Christ is the first thing. In so anyway, four examples of salvation, but yet it's not salvation. There's only one way. 
and that's to know Christ and to follow him by faith. There is nothing we can do by ourselves. It is a gift of God. We are made righteous through his gift alone. You know, when I came to Christ, it was my sophomore year in high school, and it was at a high school youth group, went down in mass to a Billy Graham crusade, south side of Chicago. Some 40,000 people had gathered to hear Billy Graham speak. And I went because it was the thing to do and because others in my group were going. And when it came time for Billy Graham to ask for those who wanted to believe in Christ to come down, and I felt the need to go. I mean, it wasn't that I was convicted of being sinful in my life, that I had something that I needed to repent of that was burdensome to me. It was the fact that I was being called, and I went, and I recognized, it's interesting, you know, because after I accepted Christ, and I knew it was a gift of God given to me, there wasn't a big change in my life. You know, it took a while for me to realize that I was a sinner. <laughs> and, and, it was, and that was part of the salvation experience. It was part of what made me whole. It was part of what Christ called me to be. And it was a good thing. So I want you to think about your salvation experience. I'm going to give you an opportunity around the table to share how you came to Christ and what a difference it makes and has made in your life because it's the beginning of your desire to be an overseer, of your desire to be a man who follows after the Lord. So it's a point that is important and bears deep reflection how you came to Christ. Everybody has an experience where the moment before they accepted Christ, they were dead, they were alive. I mean, that's fact. And if you have experienced Christ, you can go back and find that time, and you can talk about it. Now, remember, I said that Paul used the word dikakaios, Two basic ways. That's the word just in Greek. First, to become just describes what happens when we are saved, and we talked a little bit about that. Second, to be just describes the way we should live after we are saved. Paul wants an overseer to be just, righteous and upright in all of his relationships. A just man is righteous and just all the time, not one who deals justly just in his dealings with others. And my question to you, and it's again, it's a tough one. Are you such a man? Are you just an upright? Are you one who proclaims Christ through a salvation experience? Are you one who seeks to be a follower of Christ and how you live after you were saved? Here's my example of a just man. Joseph, Mary's husband. Not 
just because it's Joseph. <laughs> but Joseph, if you remember, um, was thrown a curse. He had approached Mary. Mary had been betrothed to him, and she shows up pregnant. You know, Joseph could have saved face and put her aside publicly, but he didn't do that. He listened to God. He listened to God in a dream. An angel appeared to him and said, this is Mary. She's special. I want you to behave in a certain way, and he did. Another example of a man who was just an upright. Are you just an upright? So here's the questions. When did you first understand what it means to be justified by faith? Would you share your salvation experience with your group? Now, I know this is uncomfortable for guys, some guys, to do this, but I would ask that you do it because it's so important in who you are in terms of a measure of a man. Remember, Paul was writing to followers of Christ, those who had proclaimed Christ in their life first. Talk about someone you know even from a distance. Maybe it's a Joseph, maybe it's a Joshua Chamberlain, maybe it's a Matt Dillon, but somebody whom you consider just in all his or her ways. Now, you may have to think a little bit because it's a big thing to know who Christ is and to see and observe what they do in living out Christ in their lives. This is a, maybe a tougher one. Did you ever miss an opportunity to be just and upright with someone? You know, you had and saw a need in somebody's life to intercede, and you said, no, I'm not going to do it. Or took the stance of, I know that you're not where I am, and therefore I'm not going to talk with you. I'm not going to share with you. I'm not going to proclaim Christ. And that's a tougher one. But I would ask that you do this. So let me pray for us. This is a tough one, being just and upright. Father, we thank you for the two ways that we can be just and upright, that we can be saved first and that we need to express our salvation experience to others, and that we can know that after we are saved, we should be just and upright in all that we do, all the time, and we need your help to do so. So, Father, I pray for these men. I pray that you would watch over them, guard them, and protect them, be in them all wisdom and strength. Father, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.